And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Pastor Ben Miller. Pastor Miller, it's an honor to have you on with us today. It's great to be back, Dan. Thank you. Um, For the sake of our listeners, um, what church do you pastor and where is it located? So I pastor uh, a congregation called Trinity Church. It's a uh, member congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and we are located, uh, we worship in Syosset, New York. Uh, God provided a wonderful Lutheran church for us to rent from, and we've been there for about five years now. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times uh, because our son attends your church mm-hmm. when when he's yep. not up here with us, but he's <laughs> him and his wife, and it's just a beautiful it's a beautiful church, and it's a beautiful church building. I'm glad you're able to rent it there. Yeah, God's been very good. Yeah, we um, exchanged a quick note ahead of time, mm-hmm. and the subject today is um, it deals with the establishment of Christian communities and Christendom. Um, that may sound odd to to, <laughs> to listeners today. Mm. You know, maybe a hundred, hundred fifty years ago, it wouldn't have been so odd. But now it it, it seems uh, almost out of joint, out of place when somebody talks about mm. establishing Christendom. And of course, it's the Lord Jesus Christ, the the King of the Ages, who does this. Um, but let's talk about this. Um, is it well? First of all, is it legitimate? to work for and to expect the establishment of Christian communities at this point in time. When we talk about, quote-unquote, Christendom, obviously that's a historical thing. It's something that happened in history since Jesus, and you know anything that happens in history is going to have all the messiness of history. But your question is, I think, going deeper than that, do we have a reason from the Bible itself to expect that as the Word of God that we call the Gospel, um, trans- by the power of the Holy Spirit, is transforming hearts, is it also going to transform lives? And if it transforms lives, is it going to transform social uh, forms and, and uh, you know, kind of cult- the collective endeavors of humankind, the, yeah. the societal structures, those sorts of things? You know, do we have a reason to expect that? And, you know, it's... <laughs> I think this is one place where it's really important to read the whole Bible, not just you know the new what we call the New Testament or or selections from the New Testament, because God um, spent you know God over the years of Israel's history before Jesus um, set up a, a great number of, of of social forms, community forms that. Um, eventually, um, all centered around his law, you know, his, his law and his wisdom, um, flowing from his commandments and also, you know, the, the, the wisdom uh, that comes in reflecting on his commandments, uh, reflecting on his creation and the kind of the order of creation. And then the, the promise, as, as things in Israel kind of go sideways and, and through human sin, the promise is that Messiah is going to come, only his, in his kingdom, the law the Torah, you know, the instruction of God, it's going to be written on the heart as God gives his spirit to his people so that the things that are sort of in shadow form presented um, in, in so much of the history before Jesus among God's people, those those things we can expect Messiah to bring only in the power that his spirit gives. And so 
Um, I, I think that's part of why we are told by the apostles to say, pray for kings. It's why family life is a big part of biblical instruction in the New Testament as well as the Old. It's, it's why um, there's this kind of massive shake-up of master-servant relations, and, um, you know, you, you get very sweeping statements like, whatever you do in a word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, in whatever, you know, particular calling God may place you. So yes, I think I think it's it's beyond. I, I would say it's just beyond question that, that as Jesus is working by the Holy Spirit, it's not just that individual hearts and individual character changes, but personal and and familial and societal forms of life begin to change as well. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Um, the past couple of weeks, I've been reflecting on just a really simple thought, uh, among other things, but. In the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it asks the question, what do the Scriptures principally teach? And it breaks it into two answers, and then it seems to structure that all through the rest remaining of the Shorter Catechism. And the first part, the first important part, is that um, they teach what we're to believe concerning God. So we learn all about Mm -hmm. God and His characteristics and the second part is what duty God requires of man. And yeah. uh, I guess today's discussion um, certainly is both, but particularly the second part, um, the duty mm-hmm. that, that, mm-hmm. We, that God requires of us a, as we mm-hmm. glorify him and, and enjoy him. Um, yeah. Now, as we focus on our duty— and and we try to serve Christ uh, this way, in very practical ways, it's certainly important not to lose sight of the eternal hope, uh, the end right. point. Uh, but neither do we want to replace what we have right now and the Great Commission with just sitting around waiting for mm-hmm. the end point. Can you help us here on the balance? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, this might sound odd, but one of the things that I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about over the years is why when God saves us, like he he gives, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and he, you you, you believe in Jesus and and you you begin to worship the true and living God. Why doesn't God just whisk us away to eternal life? Right. Um, And and I think, you know, there's a lot one could say about that question, but I think at, at the very least, it's because God is still doing something on earth. And what he's doing on earth, I, I, I think it's, it's really critical to, to see, and, and this is something I would just encourage you know, listeners to, to really kind of deep dive and, and study this. There's some great things out there to help kind of see this in the Bible, but to really see that when Jesus came and he, and he announced the kingdom of God has drawn near to you, that that long-awaited kingdom, that long-awaited rule of God, where God himself would come and establish his rule on earth. Like, that's, Jesus came to bring that. And when he poured out the Holy Spirit, right, not like Moses sending down the Torah from a mountain, but from the throne of God himself, pouring out the Holy Spirit to give that power that would, you know, reach to the ends of the earth, drawing the nations to him. The kingdom really is here. So what, what's going on right now is the kingdom of the Messiah. It's not something that's altogether future. There is absolutely that future dimension of it, that it will only be perfected when our Lord, you know, puts that final enemy, death itself, 
finally down for good and all things are, are restored and made new. We hope for that and we should never turn our eyes off of that. But in the meantime, it's not like we're waiting for the kingdom to arrive. It is here and God by the Holy Spirit is, you know, we pray, thy kingdom come. And we expect the movement of God to, to, to you know, establish his rule in human hearts, and then through the lives of those in whose hearts he rules, we expect to see things change. And if things don't change, there's a real problem. <laughs> yes. Um, and that's not just true individually, that's true in a society. I mean, if you have a whole society of people where the gospel is working powerfully and people are being converted, but it's not changing economic practices or political, you know, structures, or, you know, the poor is still being oppressed and, you know, so on and so forth, then there's a, I mean, to put this in theological terms, there's a real sanctification problem. Yeah. So that's what's going on. Um, yeah, yeah. I think the eternal hope undergirds and mm, gives absolutely. impetus to um, our desire to see Christ uh, yes. become more and more king. He's already king, but but to see the effect of his kingship in, in every area of life. And, and it it's not like the two are fighting each other or antithetical to each other, but they seem absolutely. to work together, is, is my understanding. I think that's absolutely right, and I think 1 Corinthians 15 in particular really puts those two things in the closest possible proximity. So you have, what is it, verses 24 through 28 or so, where Paul is talking about kind of the time frame of history, that there's the first fruits of the resurrection, which is Christ, then at his coming there's this other resurrection, and in the meantime he is putting his enemies under his feet. He must rule until he has put his enemies under his feet, and the last enemy to be put under his feet is death. But then the very last verse of that chapter, Paul now turns back to the Corinthians in their situation there in the first century, and he says, you, my beloved brethren, you be steadfast, you be immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. How do you know that? Because Christ is risen. <laughs> and because you know you will be, right? So you're between the resurrections. You're between the resurrection of Christ, which established him as Lord of the world, and your resurrection, which is to come. And between those two things, because Christ is risen already and because you will be raised, your, your labors are not vapor. They're, they're not pointless. They matter. Amen. Amen. Um, quite unexpectedly, I happened across an article this morning. I'm on the mailing of the World Reformed Fellowship, mm. and I thought, okay, let me just read this thing quick. And yeah, I never did get through it, but I did jump down to <laughs> <laughs> there was a re, there was a statement of faith. So I jumped down to the mm. part that was talking about uh, affecting this world. And and I want to read part of that because I kind of like what it said. You don't know what's coming, so hopefully this is okay with you. <laughs> it says um, it says the other important point to make is that Reformed theology involves a world and life view, and is more than the famous quote five points. Reformed theology is much more comprehensive than simply soteriology. Our attitude to culture, including music and the arts, will arise out of the totality of our. Reformed theology, not least of our understanding of common grace as the work of Abraham Kuyper and Herman mm-hmm. Bovink. The Dutch Calvinist view is that Christians are to engage at every level. Yep. 
with the nation and with the culture. And Kuiper himself was a minister, a theologian, editor of a daily newspaper, the founder of a Christian university, the founder of a Christian political party, and ultimately mm-hmm. prime minister of the Netherlands. He saw no conflict mm-hmm. between these roles because he believed that every thought must be taken captive for Christ. And uh, I'm just going to stop there. I thought, well, that kind of catches some of the concerns that I have. Um, yeah. Well, it does. and I, You know? Yeah. No, agreed. And I mean, that's really, that's just kind of presenting a nice synopsis of the basic idea in, in Kuiper's uh, lectures on, you know, what, what he called lectures on Calvinism or the Reformed faith. And that was his point, was there's not a square inch, you know, as is often quoted, there's not a square right. inch of, of this world over which Christ does not say it's mine. And he actually broke that down into some very specific categories of kind of public social life and, and showed how not just biblically, but even historically, these have been um, deeply influenced by biblical thought and, and Reformed theological, uh, Reformed theology. So, yeah, I mean, that's, um, we, I, you know, so now I think what we need to work on in our time when we don't, we don't, you know, it looks like our society right now in North America is rapidly moving kind of away from the claims of oh, God yeah. and Christ. What do we do? You know, what's our, do we just kind of take a pessimistic view that, well, at least for the foreseeable future, it's just sort of hopeless and kind of retreat into our, uh, you know, kind of church ghettos and kind of ride out the storm, or <laughs> is there another way to engage? Um, yeah, and um, uh, I think a big part of this, correct me if I'm wrong, is is um, uh, catching a, a very strong vision for Christian family, uh, Christian oh, yeah. Christian education, uh, raising as many children as God will give you that that you can handle, uh, and and see them grow up to be men and women of God, and have the privilege of passing the baton of faith on to these young ones who become yeah. older, who then multiply the effort outward. Absolutely. Um, so, if if I've got a moment here, let me let me just dilate on that a little bit. So. Um, as I look at kind of how God created man, uh, when, I, when I look in early Genesis and, and how these play out through the Bible, I see sort of four mandates. And I call them the, the cultic mandate, which you know refers to worship. Cultus is a term that just refers to worship. So there's this cultic mandate. There's the covenantal mandate of family. There's the um, community mandate of kind of sociality beyond the family. And then there's the cultural mandate of what we do with the world, the earth, the stuff of creation, right? And so what I've said to our uh, congregants in a recent sermon was, I, I said, I think in our time, we need to take those sort of four mandates. And, and, and I think there are four areas where Christians need to reform our practices. And if we will do that, I think we can have real influence in our time. Number one is faith. And by faith, reforming our faith practices, I mean a couple of things. Number one, in our, in our personal lives, we need to memor- we need to meditate on the Word, like seriously meditate on Scripture, mm. catechize, and pray. And we need to do that, the way I put it in in this sermon, we need to do that until the story of God's kingdom, the reality of God's kingdom, grips our imaginations more than the myths of our secular age. Amen. And and then the other side of that faith reform is we need to have worship services that are, like, on fire. And by on fire, (laughs) I don't mean full of sort of sappy, sentimental emotionalism. I certainly don't mean, like, watching a performance. I mean we need to sing like our God reigns. We need to have preaching that is substantive and, and, ex- and genuinely excited about what God has promised, and that is, that is deeply dig- helping people get into Scripture. We need, we need to have worship services like in 1 Corinthians 14, where unbelievers come in and they say, you know what, I don't know what is going on here, but 
something is going on. Amen. Like God is among you. So that's faith practices. Family practices. I mean, Dan, the world right now, the, 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 the human family is disintegrating in our society at such an accelerated rate. When people meet husbands and wives who are actually loving and honoring toward one another, and parents who, you know, and children who, who have healthy relationships, like in multi-generational families where, where the relationships are good, and siblings who, who love one another, and family culture that is healthy and joyful and, and yet serious at the same time, and, and, and it's educational. This is mind-blowing for people. And, and then a third area I, I, I said to our folks is friendship. Um, so th- think about like social media, right? It's kind of a hot topic constantly now. Um, for friendship, so, so, so much of, of what passes for sociality in, in our modern world is, is so, so disembodied, so actually disengaged, because you're not even together in person, and right. it's, it can be so superficial and so volatile and reactive. I really believe God's people need to reform, not just faith and family, but reform in our friendships. Like, let's get back to the older ways of doing friendship and community where we are with one another we are breaking bread together we you know have hospitality and and you know we we get together and, and have meaningful conversations and we, we you know bring the poor and the maimed and the blind and blind and the crippled as you know as it were the the, the outcasts and marginalized of society and, and we bring them into our homes and we have friendship like and my word how could that begin to influence the way businesses are run and the ways you know the ways that communities and neighborhoods and yay even nations and maybe even the international community there's a lot to learn there we can model it and then the fourth and this is big we need to reform our finance practices most people just need to get out of debt <laughs> they just do they need to simplify their lives they need to become givers instead of takers they need to become producers instead of consumers those who can lend instead of those who always must borrow we need to stop serving mammon. And, yes. and I think if, if, in, if in faith, family, friendship, and finance, we were to reform in these ways, that would, without question, have influence in our time. Yeah, yeah. This, um, this one little area, and it's huge, actually, of, of becoming givers and, and, and mm. of becoming producers rather than consumers, yeah. um, um, so much could be solved socially if people yep. would just oh, adopt a mindset of I have to produce a widget, a product, a, a service. I have to produce and not always care about myself. I want as opposed to consuming, eating, yes. going there, playing on my stinking cell phone, everything. Yeah. What have yeah. I produced yeah. today should be an important that's a, question. That's a massive question. And and how would that begin to, you know, how would it begin to change a society if you if you began to have households where your house is not a place where you come home after, you know, serving corporate America for six straight days, you come home and kind of collapse and, you know, watch TV to recover and then go back out and do it all over again. What if we began to have our homes once again be places of production and economically meaningful places where, you know, our children are kind of raised in a culture of producing and giving? And I mean, there's just a lot to say, but I know all this can sound very idealistic and even like we're trying to get back to some time in the past. But I think if, if the purpose of a household is to be fruitful, multiply, you know, ultimately fill the earth and subdue it, there's just a lot to be talked about here. The point of all this being that we are not ever in a situation where we just have to kind of sit back. I mean, I guess 
the one exception might be if you're in a if you're in a time when you know you have government powers that have actually declared war on Christianity and they're just hunting Christians down. That that's a that's a time when it's yes your salt and light changes then. It's a different kind of witness. But for us, we we have stuff to do, Dan. Every day we have ways to be influential if we're working on these habits. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm kind of going backward in the order that you mentioned, and this thing of being givers and and being out of debt, how that frees us up to obey God and do extra Mm. things for Him, uh, which is really doing things for people. Um, that yep. that he gets glory for, um, yeah, and 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 also um, we <laughs> we feel like we never have time. That that's the trap yep. I fall into, <laughs> and so so I may want to have somebody over, and and um, either myself or my wife, we're all tied up, and that's not yep. good. I I, yep. I I want to build some some. Um, uh, time in back into margin, my life yeah. so, margin. That's the word I'm looking for. Yep. Yeah. So. Well, so that's why I said in connection with the finance reform, like simplifying. Um, you know, say what you will about movements like kind of essentialism, as it's called, or whatever. Uh, I was re- listening to some stuff recently on what's called digital minimalism. The, the, there have to Andy Crouch's book, putting technology in its place. There have to be ways to push the things that are consuming our time, push them into compartments. We don't have to eliminate them entirely. Yes. But we, we have, there, there's a tendency in the modern world to just kind of let things take over. And, you know, we're the first generation that's had to figure this out in a digital age. So, I, you know, admittedly, we're back on our heels a bit, but we can learn. We can rule this instead of letting it rule us and reestablish the kind of margin where, right, if you have, where actually an interruption, you could actually accommodate it. <laughs> you know, if, if somebody walks into your life and needs something, that's not, doesn't like, you know, kind of, rattle your entire week because you have some flexibility and so on. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we've got maybe th- several minutes left. Um, I like these four categories you mentioned. Maybe you could summarize them again quickly for our listener, for me as well. Sure. Well, so just very briefly, so on sort of the, the cultic mandate, the worship mandate God gave to us as humans, I think you know, reforming our faith practices and you know meditation Catechism, prayer, fiery worship, um, the, the covenantal mandate of, of the home. You know, I, I'm calling this reforming our family practice, and and they're just all the stuff the Bible talks about. Just having Deuteronomy six, man, love the Lord our God together. Learn how to learn how to do that. Uh, the community mandate, because we're not just for ourselves and our families. Um, I, I'm calling this reforming our friendship practices. Let's uh, let's sometimes get off Instagram and have coffee. Mm. <laughs> For starters. Um, And then finance, you know, the the cultural mandate. How can you build and beautify in the world? How can you take dominion over the earth if you're always just buying prepackaged products you can't afford, running up your credit card and, you know, consuming? I mean, what are we doing about, you know, finance reform to to not just be those who are not enslaved to debt loads, but who have our barns are full and our vats are overflowing not for ourselves, but for others. Like that's, and training our kids to think that way from the time they're young. Mm, yeah. Oh, these are wonderful areas, and and of course, uh, it goes without saying that Jesus Christ is Lord over all Amen. of these areas, and uh, maybe there's other and Savior. And oh, Savior. Let's yes. Not forget that when we fail, 
when we fail, there's grace. It's always out of grace. It's never like we're going to bring the kingdom. He's bringing the kingdom. <laughs> we have the gracious privilege of being a part of it, right? Yeah, amen to that. Now, um, if someone would like to visit your church tomorrow, maybe they're on Long Island, uh, maybe not far from you. Um, how could they find your church, Pastor Ben Miller? Well, you could check our website, uh, trinitychurchlongisland.com, or uh, we worship at 231 Jackson Avenue in Syosset at Faith Lutheran Church. Um, You could also give me a call on uh, our church line, 631-629-4528, or email me at opcpastor at gmail.com. Would love to hear from anyone anytime. That's an amazing Gmail address. (laughs) I got in early. What can I say? (laughs) Is it really that? opcpastor at gmail.com? Yes, yes. There's a lot of OPC pastors that wish they had that one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I've been told. All right. Really well, thank you. Thank you yeah, so pleasure. much, Pastor Ben Miller. And uh, trust that the Lord blesses you and your church and that he grows things so much that it's just a blessing you can't contain. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dan. My pleasure. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs>